it's really great to be here. I, I've not been here for about two or three years at least, and just seeing all the changes in the church is really, really exciting what you guys are doing. I, I understand you're going to another venue in three weeks' time, so um, good for you. Good for you to, to step out in faith and, and do something different and where, where God's leading you, because it's always going to be challenging. God, God never leads you to somewhere easier than where you've already been. He'll always lead you to somewhere that's more challenging than you've, you've already been. That's just how life works following Jesus. It's like, a, it's like an uphill path that we're following he, he kind of doesn't tend to go downhill and make it easy it's always more upwards but the you know thinking of altitude the the higher up you are kind of like the closer you are to God and, and it's like that's that's where we want to be and, and that's where we want to, where we want to live and so it's exciting what you guys are about to embark on and I don't know any of the details all I know is, is just get stuck in get behind it because it's it's going to be an exciting thing for this church um yeah great to be back in Wellington as well um Wellington is a beautiful city, isn't it? John is always boasting about Wellington on Facebook, but he's totally correct. This is a, I could easily live here. If I wasn't living in Brazil and God said, come and live in Wellington, it would not be a struggle. So I don't think God's going to call me to Wellington because it's too easy. But um, it's a great place to live. And look at, look at these people. It's fantastic. So, yeah, we, we've been in, in Rio de Janeiro now for just over two years. And we, we have a, a young church there. And I'll share a little bit about it shortly. And so, yeah, we're in the process. You know, if all goes well, we're looking to become Equipers Church Rio de Janeiro. Uh, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. We have a great leadership team. Um, for those who don't know, in, in Brazil, they speak Portuguese. So my family and myself, we, we can kind of speak it more or less and understand it you know, more or less. But we're not fluent yet. So, uh, and everyone in our church, there's two guys who can speak English. And one of them speaks it really well. He's on our leadership team, and he does a lot of translating. So we use half Portuguese, half English at our leadership meetings. And when I preach, I preach in English because it's just more fluent, and this guy translates, and it's working really well. And, uh, yeah, so I just really thank God for, for the people he's, he's brought into our lives over there. And, uh, yeah, we have a young church, like it's young in age, and it's young in terms of how long it's been going. And I, I was there one night, I was looking around, and I, I realized I am the oldest guy in our church. I am. There's not one person younger than me. I mean, older than me, sorry. There, there, there's a good three or four who look older than me. They've got gray hair, and they look older. And I asked them their age, and they're like mid-30s. I thought, what's that about? <laughs> You've got gray hair. How can you be in your mid-30s? But I'm the old. That's never happened in my church experience. Back in the weird church, I was one of the young people. But now I'm the, I'm the Methuselah of, of our church. <laughs> So I'm only 46, so that, that's not that old. But yeah, I thought, how weird that I am the oldest in our church. So praying for more older adults to come, <laughs> to, to come on in. So anyway, we're going we're gonna to look at the scriptures this morning. I, just before I left Rio, I remember thinking, I must pack my Bible. And, and that's all. That's, that's the last thought. And I totally forgot. So I borrowed this phone book looking thing from my, my father-in-law. So we're preaching from the phone book this morning. <laughs> But this is a real Bible-sized Bible. I think Bibles need to look like Bibles. It kind of doesn't look like one. It's not black and leather, but uh, it's the right size. It just looks so authoritative and powerful. And uh, so I'm going to preach from this huge Bible this morning. If you don't mind, open up to the New Testament, the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Oh, I'm there straight away. Ephesians chapter 2. I used to laugh when people, if people borrow Bibles. They say, oh, I just find it hard with someone else's Bible. I, I can never find the, find, in my Bible, I know where everything is, but in someone else's Bible, I can't find anything because 
in every Bible, Genesis is still the first book, and <laughs> Revelation is always at the back, and the other 64 books are always somewhere in between. So it kind of makes me laugh when people say, oh, I, I can't find anything, <laughs> because they're in the exact same place. So we're in Ephesians, which follows Galatians and comes immediately before Philippians, Ephesians chapter 2. And let's pray, and then we'll, we'll get into it. Father, we thank you that your word is authoritative, and your word is alive, and our hearts are alive because your word has the capacity to, to, to um, transform our hearts and, and transform our, our, our minds, our, our thinking, and how we live and, and what we do. And, and your word is, is the word of life. And even thousands of years after it was written, it's just so relevant and, and, and for us here today. And as we examine the scriptures, help us to, to hear what you are saying to us as individuals, what you are saying to us as a church, as a body of believers. We thank you for this opportunity. I ask that you help me to communicate very clearly and, and just let your word be, be settle, let it settle this morning into the lives of everyone here present. And may we, we leave this place different uh, from how we came on in. May we leave more built up and strengthened in the faith and, and ready to go out and just serve you in, in, in greater measure. And may we just draw closer to you in our faith and our love this morning as we gather around your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So soon, I, I do want to thank you because, I mean, we're part of Equipus Church Network who have been extremely supportive of me and my family uh, over in Brazil. And shortly, we're, I'm going to play, ask the guys to play a little video. Um, but, but everything we, we, we're seeing and achieving over there is we're just part of this big family worldwide. You know, even the guys from, from Switzerland. And even though you might not be over there and maybe don't even know what's happening, um, the only reason why the Equippers Network can, can get in behind us is because they have the resource which, which comes from you. And maybe you don't have a say in what, where your resource goes, but, but the reality is without you contributing to, to your church here, um, we can't do anything over there or around the world. And even the church where, where these guys come from in Switzerland, and we have churches in Germany and churches in London, none of that would happen without the resource that's been released back here in, in New Zealand and through your lives. And so when we look at the video shortly, it's, it's not just what I'm doing, it's, it's what we're doing. You know, we, we really are a, a family of churches and and I, I, it's absolutely true. We, we don't feel isolated over there. Like we're there alone in terms of we're the only New Zealanders there from Equippers New Zealand. But we, we totally feel unisolated. We, we're connected. And I cannot emphasize the importance of connection enough because without that connection, we would have given up and, and just fallen, you know, fallen by the wayside a long time ago because it's been the most challenging two years of our life. But we don't feel isolated. Uh, missionaries of old used to go to a country, bring a coffin, because they weren't going to come home. But we, we, we don't have to do that today. We, we are supported, and, and we, we're not on our own. And so I just want to say thank you to the church here, because uh, what, what we're doing is what we're doing. We really are. We really are. So before we look at the, the, the video, let, let's look through some scriptures quickly. And before I get on to the verse I really want to preach on, uh, we'll, we'll play this video. But in, in Ephesians chapter 2, this is written by Paul the Apostle, and he's writing to a Christian church that he planted. He's writing to believers. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ here, he, he's writing to you and me. And he's talking about our old life before Christ. And in the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2, he says, As for you, you were, past tense, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. 
the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, God's wrath. And he's basically saying, hey, there was a time before you gave your life to Jesus, you were, you were dead in your sin. In the eyes of God, you weren't even alive spiritually. You might have been walking and talking and breathing and, and eating and, and sleeping, but, but spiritually you were dead. You were in a, in a state that was completely separate from God. The reason being our sins and our transgressions. And so before Jesus came into our life, we were not in a good position before God. He carries on in verses 4 to 7. This is good news. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, he made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Grace, grace is God's undeserved favor and goodness towards us. It is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show, show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. There's so much in those verses I've read out, and I don't want to dwell on them this morning, but there's a clear contrast. Before we were dead, now we are made alive. Specifically, we are made alive in Christ through God's outrageous goodness towards us, his kindness, his grace, we are made alive. And sometime in our future, there's a whole lot more amazing things he's going to reveal to us uh, in the age to come. We carry on in verse 8 and 9 where he kind of summarizes his point. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Before I gave my life to Jesus and, and was introduced to the weird church, <laughs> um, I, I, believe, I believed in God and I believe you do more good works than bad, then you go to heaven. And by my own personal judgment, I was one of the good guys. I was going to go to heaven when I died because, well, I didn't get in trouble with the police. Uh, my older brother did. He's been in and out of prison, but, but not me. So maybe he won't go to heaven, but, but I will. And, and, and I didn't drink and get drunk, and I didn't smoke. So I had all these, these kind of standards, and, and I came out on the good side. So I was going to go to heaven when I died, according to me. But then my, my brother, who became a Christian, he, he showed me the scriptures, and, and I realized, oh, I, I'm totally lost and unsaved. My, my good works, and they probably weren't even that good. It was just my judgment. I thought they were good, but God's definition of good was completely different from my definition of good. And it was very clear in God's eyes. I was one of these dead people. And only, only through Christ could, could I be saved. And, and today I can say, yes, I, I am saved. I'm saved from the, the wrath of God because of the, the goodness of God, the work of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything I've done that, that might be good or, or whatever. It's totally because of the work of Jesus Christ in my life. And, and that his salvation works in my life because it's activated through faith. His grace, his kindness towards me, I receive because faith in him activates his grace towards me. And so because of my faith in Jesus Christ, I have now received the, the grace and the goodness of, of Jesus Christ to save me. And, and this is a, a really 
really important passage that every believer needs to, needs to understand. It's not by our works, but it's by the grace of God that we are saved. Now, in a few moments, I'm going to ask the guys to play this video. What, what we did, and I'll just, I had to be really brief, but uh, we, when we were in Brazil for a while, we, long story short, we, we connected with this young pastoral couple, uh, Pastor Fabiano and his wife Marcia, and they had a small leadership team. And they were doing this work among, uh, they had about, I think about 10, 10 or 12 kids, children, and a few teenagers that they were ministering to uh, in their community. And they're in one of the poor communities. And we, we started going to this English-speaking church in the morning so, 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 so my children could have fellowship and understand things in English, and, and we could have fellowship too. And this church uh, had these a few Brazilian pastors a particular morning, including the couple I just mentioned. And, and afterwards, we thought, Let, let's go and chat with them, because one of the guys with them was, was, was one of the guys who could speak some English. So my wife approached him afterwards and said, look, would it be helpful if... Um, Maybe I could come and teach English to, to, your, to the children you're ministering to. Would that be helpful? And they said, that would be awesome. Could you also teach us English? We, we'd love to learn as well. So she'd start going every Saturday morning to, to their community uh, to teach English. And eventually, over time, that, that was going really well. But then the neighborhood kind of became more dangerous because some, some drug dealers moved in from somewhere else. And, and you got, like, teenagers with, 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 with guns, like machine guns. And that's, that's not a good mix. I mean, teenagers and alcohol is bad. I'd hate to think teenagers and guns, that, that's even worse. Because teenagers can't think. <laughs> they can't think straight. They just don't. We just, they just don't. We all know that. Anyone who's older than a teenager, you know you could not think straight when you were a teenager. And so it was too dangerous. We said, like, why, why don't we move the class to where, where we have our, our church, where a safer neighborhood. And then she came up with the idea, my wife and, and Marcia, they thought, well, hey, let, let's start a kids program Saturday morning. Because these kids have really... Uh, bad education opportunities. They're in the public school system, but it's, it's really bad. Um, like if a teacher doesn't show up, they, they don't call in a replacement. It's just, okay, you've got no science today. Teacher's sick. And you just hang around for an hour till the next class and hope the teacher is there. And the classes are overcrowded. And if you don't go, no one really follows you up. So the education is, is not great. And so we thought, let's start this, this program. We'll, we'll teach Portuguese literacy, uh, English, because we, we can teach English, and, and sports. So let's do it on Saturday morning. We got permission from the church, and we started up. And then we thought, let's start yeah, maximum 20, 20 kids. So we started with about 12 or 13, but after a few weeks, it kept growing. And we got to our maximum of 20 to 25 because you, you can't turn people away. So we got 24, 25, and it was like that for a couple of months. And, and people in the English-speaking church were really inspired. They wanted to volunteer and be part of it, and some of them were starting to give resource, which was amazing because in the English-speaking church, it's mostly expats, the Americans and British people. They're, they're there in Rio working mostly in the oil industry. So there's a lot of money. They've got high incomes and they're, they're starting to donate money and then the church is getting in behind it and the church offered to pay for the vans every week and, and the church said, it, well, we'll pay for a cooked lunch every week. And then one van became two because uh, one van became like, one day they had 37 people coming out of this one van. I was like, oh, we, we can't, we can't. <laughs> it reminds me of my days in youth pastoring in New Zealand. I thought, yeah, we, we, that's not ideal. So that became two vans. The guy would do two trips. And, and now, praise the Lord, there's like this, this free bus we can use. Uh, it's just amazing. God. And so we just saw God's favor on what we were doing. And Saturday morning program, we you know over 50 kids sometimes. And then they're coming to Jesus as well. And... So our partnership was so good, and everything was working so well. Long story short, um, they decided to yeah, make me the pastor of their church, 
And so we bring experience. We're connected to an international network. Uh, my wife and myself said, look, we don't have any money personally, but we'll be responsible to gather resource and finance for the church. You guys just don't have to worry about it. Just worry about ministering to the kids and the teenagers. And we'll, we'll, we'll reach adults and we'll bring in finances. And that was all faith. And praise the Lord, that's kind of how it's panned out. And so this video you're about to see, and hopefully here, if it all goes well, is it's about six minutes, and it's um, an interview with some of the teenagers in our program. So you'll, you'll hear me asking a question in English. The response will be in Portuguese, but then the other guy who can speak English is on the video, and he'll translate. So, so he's the guy who you ne really need to hear. And uh, this is just really inspiring because, you know, the... the the, the changes that, that Jesus is, is bringing in their lives and the impact we can make with the ministry we're doing is it's, it's really making a difference. So I'll ask the guys to play the video now and hopefully it's all going to go well. This is Paulinho. He is 15 years old. Paulinho, how was your life before you started coming to church? Well, I, I was not going to, to school. I was not respecting my mother. I used to go to parties, drink. Uh, I was always drunk. And I was always doing wrong things. So, Joyce, what are some of the problems you've had in life? My father is Uh, my father, he, he is always drunk. And my mother, she's not Christian. So, Pamela, when did you stop going to school and why? I stopped going to school when I was 12 years old. It was because my father, he lived home when we were And, and my mother, she doesn't have uh, parents who live close. They all, they all live away from us. And at that time, we had no one to, to help us. And my, my mother and my oldest brother, they had to, to work to, to give us food and things. And what do you like about the church and the education program? I like my, my friends, my teachers, the gospel that they teach. And I like uh, Saturday mornings here in the church and learn English and know more about the Bible. And it's so good. I have a lot of true, true friends. And they have me as I was there, their own son. So, why did you start coming to church? Uh, because they, they care about us. They are patient. When we want to talk about us, uh, about ourselves, they are always there to, to listen. 
they always help us in the difficult moments. And they explain the, the word of God very well. And they are always with us. What do you like about church and the education program? I practically like everything. I like the way that they care about us and the way we are always together. And they are always helping us at home and with other people. And what I most like, like here at the church is the English class. With me? With Patrick. With Patrick. And then everything. And I think that this will help us in the future. And how has Jesus changed your life? Now I'm a good son. Não vou mais para festa. I'm not going to parties anymore. Não bebo mais. I'm not drinking. E agora eu sou feliz. And now I am happy. Very happy. Uh, how has Jesus changed your life? He changed so much my life. Like I know that he had something to me because I passed by a lot of difficult things and now I am here. And that's what I, and that's what I want to my life. Like follow Jesus to my last day for always. And I thank you guys so much and for God because today I'm here. Amen. Hi, Nova Hi, this is Nicole. She's six years old. She's one of the girls in our church. We've got lots of children. And she's a beautiful girl. Um, her father was recently killed execution style by drug dealers. And the family doesn't church but Patrick was able to visit her family, visit her mother, take some groceries and get to meet the family and be able to help them and so this is one of the beautiful girls we've been able to help. Very good, very good. Yeah, pretty cool isn't it? And that, that's what we are doing, again when I say we I mean we, that's what we are part of, that's what we are doing. There's, there's real live people on the other side of the world who, whose lives have been transformed by the love of Christ, because the love of Christ isn't just a bunch of nice-sounding words. The love of Christ is, is real love. It's practical. It, is, it, it ministers into the needs, whatever they might be, of, of needy people. These kids are poor. Their families are poor. They're all from broken families. None of them have a, apart from our leaders' children, the rest of them don't have mum and dad at home in a functional relationship. Uh, Joycey, who was on the video, her, her mum and dad live together, but the dad has severe alcohol problems, and you know a lot of the, the decisions he's making are just ruining the family and crazy things and a lot of them just don't have mum and dad at home and it's, it's, it's just really difficult. It's a lot like New Zealand. There's a lot of that here too. 
The needs are the same. It's just a different context and maybe in a poorer community. Um, but the, the needs are great. And, and, you know, the love of Christ is what's going to bring transformation. And I, if, I, if I can point your attention to the scripture, the, the, the verse I really want to emphasize today is verse 10. We, we've already established that, okay, we're saved not by our works, but solely by, by the grace of God. But then it says in verse 10 something very important for all of us to understand. For we, us, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's so much in in that sentence. We're God's workmanship. He's personally crafted us. And there's a reason why. He has a purpose for that. The purpose is to do good works. Now, how do you define a good work? Well, well, God's the one who will define good works. And he's, he's prepared good works for, for you and I to do. He's prepared it in advance, and, and we're, we're supposed to, to, to do them. That, that's, that's, why, that's one of the reasons why we're saved, not just to get to heaven, but to, to do the, the good works that, that God wants us to do. So your good works won't get you to heaven. Your good works won't save you, but here's the important thing. Your good works are part of the process that helps someone else be saved, that helps someone else get to heaven. So you won't be saved because of it, but someone else is going to be. All those lives we're seeing impacted would not have happened if nobody bothered to do the the particular good works that God had that were going to save them. And they're coming to Jesus because some of us can be uh, are motivated enough to, to do the good works. I'm not saying this to, to boast or say, oh, how great am I? I've gone to Rio. It's just true. God has things for you and I to do. Your good works that he's prepared for you will be different from mine, but they're no less important because every work of God is equally important. And, and, and if, if you don't do the good works God's prepared for you to do, it probably won't get done. Or maybe you have to get a replacement in. Well, you know, he, Pastor Jordan's not doing the good work, so I'll have to get Jono to do it instead. But, but God probably had a different plan for Jono. And now the good works Jono was going to do can't get done because he's got to do Jordan's good works. Now, I, I don't know if that's how it works or not. All I know is that God has good works for you to do. And if you don't do them, they most probably won't get done or someone else is going to have to. Somewhere along the line, there's not going to be enough resource to do it. That's why Jesus said, don't pray for the harvest, pray for laborers for the harvest. He said, the harvest is fine. I prepared the harvest, but I need workers to go out and, and work the harvest. And that, that's where the problem lies in, in, in Christianity and the church and the world. It's just we, we have a labor shortage, and we, we, we can't afford for anyone not to do their job. God's got good works for you to do, and if you don't do it, well, we've already got a, a shortage of manpower. So who's going to do it if you don't? And this is very important. So your works won't save you, but someone else is going to be saved as a result of it. That, that's, and that's why works, good works are extremely important. And we pray sometimes, God, I just want to do your will. Well, here's his will. He's got good works for you to do, to do, not to think about. Like you do pray, you do think, but the day's got to come where you step out and take action. And, and the, only, the only thing holding us back, if we're honest, is fear. <laughs> We're just scared. We're scared that we're not good enough. We're scared we won't have enough money. We're scared it's going to cost too much. We're scared that, that we're going to try and fail. We're scared about what other people might think about us. None of that stuff matters. All that matters is that God's got something for you to do. And if you know God's got something for you to do, just do it. Please do it because that's, that's what he wants you to do. That's his will for your life. 
James chapter 2 talks about faith and works, and it says, basically, you can talk about having faith, but, but you need to demonstrate your faith by the works that you do. Because faith in Jesus Christ isn't just a, it's not just a noun, it's not just a name of something. Uh, faith in Jesus is a verb. A verb is a doing word. A verb is an action. And faith in Jesus, is, it, it demands action. Your faith in Jesus demands an outlet to be expressed. You can't just sit on your faith. You can't just pray and thank God and that's it. There's something in you that just wants to get out and, and demonstrate and express your, your love and gratitude towards him. And it's the good works which he has prepared. Not our good ideas, his great ideas. And it, it might, for you, it won't look like going to the other side of the world. That's cool. It might just be going to the other side of, of your fence and talking to your neighbor, making them a, a, a cake or something. Having a word with your work colleague who's feeling down. That might be what your good work looks like. And I, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet most of us here, if not all of us, probably have one or two things that we know right now God, God really wants us to do. But we're, we're just not doing it for some reason or another. We're procrastinating or, or we're just holding back. And I just want to encourage you this morning, don't hold back. Don't hold back because of fear. I mean, you know, I'm... A lot of times I've failed because I know what God wants me to do. Sometimes I'll do it, and other times I'll just get too scared, and I'll chicken out. And I miss out, and someone else misses out. But, you know, but when I do follow God, wow, what, it's a win-win for everybody. Um, and the second thing, so your good works won't save you, but they're part of the process of saving someone else. So that's important. Let's think less of ourselves and more of others. And the second thing I want to emphasize is that doing the good works of God is actually part of the process that, that transforms you, that, that molds you into a follower of Jesus Christ. Because he saves us. We're in this state of death and brokenness, and he saves us, but then he wants to sanctify us, which basically means transform us and reshape us and, and take our broken life, our broken way of thinking, our broken attitudes, and he wants to form us. He wants to bring us on a journey of transformation. And, and, and prayer is obviously part of it. Reading the Bible is a very important part of it. But so is doing the good works of God. That's a, a vital part of his process of transforming you and me. And, and we want to follow Jesus and become more like him. We, we have to. We need to. For our sake, we need to do the, the good works that he's, that he's prepared for us to do. So for my, my personal journey, you know, I've been a pastor for many years, and we went to Rio two years ago. And I would have considered myself passionate for God. And, uh, you know, we're selling up and going to Rio. I, I love Jesus. Yeah, that's true. And I, I consider myself to be generous but during our two years and working with these kids and, and just seeing how much our other leaders give, because they're really poor. They don't have anything extra. But what they've got, they just give. You know, they might like buy a week's worth of groceries, but then people from the church come around and the youth come around. So one week's worth of grocery goes in a day because, oh, well, they're hungry. We just feed them. And that's, that's inspiring. And I'm in that environment because I've or I'm trying to follow the good works God wants me to do, I'm now in an environment where my faith is stretched greater than ever before. I, of necessity, I need to kind of be closer to God than ever before. And I'm finding that my level of generosity is, is increasing. So my faith is growing. I'm more generous than I have been two years ago. I, I considered myself to be pretty generous two years ago. But two years, the me two years ago compared to the me now, and it's still a journey. I'm not the most generous guy on the planet, but I am more generous now than, than the two-year-ago version of me. Wow. And it's because, only because 
I followed what God wants me to do. And I was scared to do this at first. And I, I wasn't that fired up at all when we first started the program. I thought, this is great, but I'm scared. And oh, it's, it's like a job. But, but now, I just find the more I've gotten into it. And you look at those knees. Young Nicole, six-year-old. Her dad was executed by the drug dealers because he, he was running with them, and he, he ripped them off somehow. So they came into the neighborhood one night and just shot him in his house. Thankfully, she wasn't there when it happened. I was like, well, how can you ignore needs like that? Pamela, she had to leave school at age 12 because her dad just walked out on the family, abandoned them. So her mum had to go to work. Her older brother had to go to work. And she had to look after the rest of the kids because she's older than, than the rest of the kids. So her education is just stalled for five years. She loved to learn. She's very passionate to learn. But through no fault of her own and no option, she had to, had to leave school. And when we see those needs, it's kind of like, wow, it, it moves you. It just moves your heart, and it transforms you. And I find, you know, it's, this is the hardest thing we've done is this kind of thing we're doing in Rio, but it's, it's the best thing we've ever done. And it, there's been times where we felt like giving up. We're not going to, but we feel like it, but we, we just can't. Because God's, once God gets you on a journey, he, kind of, he takes hold of your heart. And I look at myself now, I think, yeah, in times past, I would have been more inclined to, to maybe spend money on me. Nothing wrong with spending money on yourself. Nothing wrong at all. But I just find now I'm more inclined to spend on, on these, these, these kids and these needs. And I find as a result, we never lack. Like my family hasn't had to go hungry in the last two years. There's been month after month after endless month where we're thinking, how are we going to pay the rent next month? But, but someone said, you know, that if it's God's will, it's God's, if it's God's will, it's God's bill which is a flippant saying, but it's actually true. And, you know, we preach these things. I preached for years on Wanganui about living by faith and that. And then it was my turn to actually practice what I preach. Oh, not, not so easy now. It's easy to preach. Sounds really inspiring. Yeah, trust God. And look at these examples in the scripture. But when it's your turn, oh, not sexy. <laughs> not exciting. Just hard, hard yakka. But, but as a result... Yeah, just like the people I preached about for years, I'm finding, hey, God's changing me. And we, we, we need, so the two things, we, we need to do the good works of God because they're going to be the breakthrough for someone else, and they're also going to be the breakthrough for you. The good works of God is what's going to propel you forward into a deeper trust, faith, and relationship with the Lord, which is what we all want. And you find, hey, this really is the best life you can have. It's not easy by any stretch. There's just, yeah, there's just going to be day after day, month after month, where this is just so hard. And sometimes you'll be thinking, God, where is your favor? Where is your breakthrough? I don't feel your presence in my circumstances. But, but he is there. And you just keep going. Just keep doing what you can for him. You will find he, he will get you through. And you're going to come out on the other side just a different believer from how you were when, when you first entered the journey. Entered the journey. So, so that, that's my encouragement this morning. Because we all want to live a great life for God. We want to have contentment and peace and, and satisfaction. Yeah, the musos can come up now. I'm going to wrap up in a few minutes. Got to go to lower heart. But I just want to encourage you this morning because there's probably people here who, who know there's something God wants you to do, but for some reason you're, you're, you're holding back. And it's most probably something that, at the end of the day, it's most probably fear that's holding you back. That's always my problem. I might come up with 20 different excuses, but they all add up to the same thing. I'm just too scared. I'm scared, I'm going to step out, and it's just, I'm going to fall on my face. And if I'm honest, I'd rather step out and fall on my face than, 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 than play it safe and succeed. Because that's not the life God has for me. I don't read about that life in the scriptures. I just read about, hey, God's got things for us to do. The works aren't going to save us. 
but they are going to save someone else. And they're actually, they're actually going to help you to live saved. Because I've seen a lot of people over the years in church who have done great things for God, but then somewhere along the line, they, they just ease back. Kind of like, oh, I've done a lot of things. I've given money and I've gone on missions and I've done this ministry and that ministry. Then they just kind of like take it easy in church. And it's not a good thing because in every circumstance, what eventually happens is they kind of become lukewarm and then they become cynical and they start seeing fault in, in all the people around them and they see all the faults in the church. And our churches aren't perfect. We, we know that. We, we can see more faults. However many faults you can see in the church, the pastor can see a lot more faults in the church than you can. Seriously, we, we just live thinking, oh, there's so many faults that we need to fix up. But if you just hold back and don't do the good works God has for you, it's, it's, it's going to hurt you. You're gonna, your, your passion for the Lord will, will decrease. You just feel cold and you'll only start, you know, you would come maybe once every two weeks instead of every week, then once every three weeks, once a month. Yeah, I might just give a little bit of money here and there. And you just find that your, your walk with Christ isn't what it used to be. And you, you and I, we cannot afford to let that happen. We cannot afford to let that happen. And one of the ways to avoid it, honestly, I'm not trying to give you a works mentality this morning, but, but we, we need to have a works mentality in the right sense. Because there's work to be done. God says, I want laborers to do it. There's a shortage. Pray for laborers. There is work that needs to be done. And works are important to God. It's just not what's going to get you into heaven at the end of the day. But, but it's, it's, it's extremely important. Because it will help you to live like you're saved. Because Christians are supposed to have the best lives in the world. Not the easiest, but the best. The most fulfilling. The most content. The most satisfied. The most blessed and blessed can look like any of you can be poor and be blessed I'm working with people who are very poor but extremely blessed and we've got to do the works that God has for us